conveyance. Comfort. It's a blanket. Just a blanket. Why do guys like you and I know what a convey is? Is this essential to our survival? And the hunter-gatherer essential to work? No. What are we then? Consumers. Right. We are consumers. We are byproducts of a lifestyle obsession. Murder, crime, poverty, these things don't concern me. What concerns me? Celebrity magazines, television, 500 channels, some guy's name on my underwear. Rogaine, Viagra, Lestra, Martha Stewart. Fuck Martha Stewart. Martha's policy in the brass on the Titanic. It's all going down, man. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. Deep, deep in the backwaters of Mississippi comes another episode of Thriving in Dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> Ah uh, man, where Bob? Where are you? I'm in the deeper, even deeper bayous of Mississippi. That reminded me of the the swamp thing. Remember that graphic novel? <laughs> yeah, I. Who did it? Neil Gaiman? Probably. That sounds right. Or might be an Alan Moore. I don't know. Might. But it, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. It's one of those places in the world that we don't have much of a touch touch on you and I. And this this podcast bears that as we have yet to get a download in the state of Mississippi. Did you know? Oh that? yeah, we haven't. One of the few states that thriving in dystopia has not been blasted on the old Radio Rahim boombox. We might have to take out some some airspace on the radio and do some advertising down in Mississippi. Nice, Bob. Yeah. Uh, I think I know a few billboards that we can get on. Wait, is that three billboards outside of... Is that Mississippi with Franny Mac? I think it's in Missouri. Ah, well, you can only go so much. Bob, I can hear your cat meow in the background. That's Teddy. Teddy Bear. Ted Theodore Bear. Um, Yeah, we got a new kitten this last week. And Teddy wanted to come out to the garage for the, the podcasting. Was it loving, just enjoying the exploration out here before I put him in his cat pen. Maybe I'll take him out in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he's just a lovely little guy. That, that being said, the introduction to our house and our adult cat, Pootie, that's been tough because she's very shy, very independent. So it's slow going. Hmm. And she hisses whenever she comes close to him. So not quite ready for a full on introduction. Yeah, that's tough. Are you thinking that it will go okay? Like, do you have a, a game plan, a plan of action, a quick fix it, as it were? A quick fix. Yeah, it's a, all about like getting them used to each other's scent, like when they eat, like positive association. Um, <laughs> and just normalizing for her that like, she still has the house and she's still like her, her safe base is our, our bedroom, which is a good room for her. So I think slowly, but surely, and just being sure to give both cats a lot of love, a lot of attention is yes. 
and, and patience is key. Patience mm-hmm. is key. Yeah. So yeah, that's what we've been up to. And it's been a, a, a good time, a roller coaster of a time. I'm in the summer, summer mode. This is my first podcast full on summer, I think. So that feels oh. really good. Um, thinking about summer last year when we were deep in the podcasting because the pandemic was so full on back then. Uh, so this summer feels a lot different, even though we're still in a, in the very same pandemic. Um, yeah. How about you, Dave? Have you, uh, been enjoying your summer so far? Yeah, man. Summer's the best. I feel like you get to get it, go at your own speed. And I think that is just, that's it. Like I've been productive and busy and, you know, there hasn't been much downtime. I don't feel like I'm filling my hours, which was too much junk. Um, but yeah, I just think the idea of, Hey, this is my day. I can go at my pace. Uh, feels like liberating to me. Um, I think that's what really gets me down about the, the nine to five, the J O B is that trapped feeling of like you wake up and the routine is so, so routinized and so every day oppressive coming down on top of you. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's not that jobs are bad. It's not that like teaching is hard, but it's the idea that like, how can you make it? So it's like your pace. And maybe that's just like a symptom of my job in particular, like being or our job. Uh, but like being a teacher is like, you're never able to do anything at what you want to do. You're always doing it for someone else, whether, I mean, usually a kid, obviously, right. You're like, first and foremost, you're a mentor. Um, which means that like you put their, their priority first. And I mean, you, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Are you feeling some of that niceness, Bob, of going at, going your own way? I can yeah, go I my own way. Yeah. And directing the day how I want to. Um, that does feel good. I was going to ask you, you're still tutoring. So you're seeing some of the kids, right? How is that going? Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, half the reason I wanted to tutor was because I thought it would be a really nice thing to just kind of stay connected to what it means to be a teacher because I get very anxious and I feel like, Oh, I'll, I'll stay connected to the job rather than feeling anxiety when like, you know, the Sunday scaredy cat, scaredy gups, the Sunday scaries come on. Um, I can feel that less so come August or mid August, you know? Uh, but yeah, I, I realized that my main goal for any summer it for being a mentor for kids or a tutor is just to give them like that summer experience of like swimming and building and running and jumping, um, which doesn't leave a whole lot of time for hands-on book learning, you know, (laughs) but I feel like that is what the kids that I'm working with could really use. So it feels awesome to give them that experience. That sounds amazing. It's so good, good to hear that it's, it's feeling like a good fit for you over the summer, good balance and 
Um, that's what you had been hoping for. So uh, love hearing that, Davey. Thanks, Babo. Yep. Uh, I also want to say, Bob, that I feel that there's this, and I, I want to kind of throw this in there because I don't know if it will make it in later, but I had this quote come to me this week and I didn't want to, I wanted to share it with the listeners out there is that we do things for three different reasons. And I shared this with you yesterday. One is we do stuff because it makes us money. And I feel like that's a, that's a truism that in the society we live in right now, we do things because it makes us money. The second thing is we do things because we love to do it. And the third reason is we do things for people that we love. And I'm curious where podcasting falls on that for you, Bob. Definitely. I would say category number one, the amount of money we've been just racking up in recent months is just out of control. It's beyond yeah. my wildest dreams. No, I just can. We're still at zero. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. I, I definitely love doing it and I get a lot out of it. The exploration of topics with you, connecting with you and then putting it out into the community and hearing from other people or just seeing that other people download it is a good feeling that there's others out there that hopefully connect with some of the things we're saying. And Mm -hmm. when they provide us feedback, that's a a wonderful feeling. Um, And doing things for people that you love. I don't think I'm doing it for anyone really, you know? So it's, I think it's all about category number two for me. Yeah. You know, I guess I want to add to that. There is this idea like of trying new things that I would put in that. Um, because for instance, I don't know if I would love to go hang gliding. I would never go hang gliding for someone else but myself, but I might end up doing hang gliding. Okay. I'm never going to go hang gliding, but you know what I mean? Like we try new things. Like when we started this podcast, we didn't know that we would like podcasting, right? Um, the, like the process of it, but. So anyways, I want to add that as a fourth to the list as the list grows. So does my heart. Yeah. And I feel like one thing that I want to hit on is kind of leads into the new format of where we're headed a little bit. And you want to talk about that a little bit, Bob? Oh, great. Yeah. I like that you segue into that. Yeah, we are two things. Um, we had such a good time with Dan on the previous episode that we decided to try to form a new podcast overall um, that is like a more deeper critical examination of sports. It's just very similar to that last podcast, taking on sort of sports from a social justice perspective, looking at power dynamics and transformation. Mm-hmm. That's a rich vein. Um, and seems like an important one because it doesn't seem like a lot of that is out there. There's some, but not a lot. So in order to do that, we also very much love thriving and the thriving community. So we want to continue to do thriving and we feel like the best way to do it is to like shorten both of them. Like thriving has been like around like 50 minutes. We want to try to uh, scroll it back to about 30 minutes and that makes it seem like we could do both of them at the same time. 
Did I miss yeah. anything there? Um, well, I think we're also going to do thriving biweekly as well. That's right. Yeah. And so we're going to, we don't know about the sports podcast so much, like what's going to happen, but we both came away from talking with Dan, just like energized and feeling like this feels like a lot of fun. And we, you know, I agree with why do we podcast? Why do we do thriving is because it, we do it really because we love it. We love podcasting and we want to, um, I also will say I do it a little bit for the community. I love when I like run into like, like I ran into Ian and Taylor there in town and they were quoting stuff from the episode, you know, um, I was like showing Ian my mom's or our mom's new bike. I was like, Ian, check out, check out my mom's new bike. And he's like, yep. I, yeah. Heard about that one on the podcast. And I was like, Oh man. He's like, yeah, we got nothing to catch up on. No big deal. <laughs> the crucial um, news. Yeah. The crucial news. All my, I'm like, Oh man, all my stories are junk now. But anyways, I feel like it is like that connection piece. So it's like partially doing it for people I love and for myself. And anyway, so yeah, I feel like that's where this came from. We both like came away from that episode and like, we're like, Dan, you want to, you want to do a sports podcast with us? And yeah, anyway, we'll eventually do the drop once. So we're going to record later tonight with Dan for the first time. Uh, but I think we'll probably save a few episodes. I want to do some evergreen episodes. So it's not necessarily just going to be about like NBA finals or like, uh, I don't know, what have you, some something a little more that you can listen to for a while because we'll probably backlog it a little bit so we can uh, get it up on, you know, all the feeds all at the same time, but you need to have a few episodes before you, you can do any of that stuff. So yeah, you'll, it'll be a little while before you hear about it or before you actually get your hands on it. But yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. And yeah, I'm also just like excited to, connect with Dan too about, uh, you know, and others as we have them on the show and yeah, it'll just be a fun time. Anyway. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, that's great. So stay tuned listeners and uh, maybe you'll enjoy that one too. Yeah. Well, to honor our shorter format, let's get into the main course, Dave, and you lighted the ignition of the topic for today. So I'm going to let you start on it and then I'll, I'll build on it. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. Whenever I like hear mm, the word, yeah. Whenever I like hear or see the, another world is possible. I guess I always feel like I see those words written in like this beautiful script with like art behind it or like graffiti on a wall. Um, yeah. Not like just tag, but just like, I feel like the the phrase another world is possible just kind of like almost is like one of the most creative like forward expression that I can I feel like I can feel like I can feel it in me. So before we were sitting down I was just saying those words in my head and I was like man that's just like so much art and creativity in those in that expression. It I don't know. I feel like I wanted to just sort of hit on some art and where the art world intersects a little bit. We've definitely done a lot on this in, in general, but um, I don't know if we've ever talked about some of the things that we're going to talk about today. And 
And um, yeah, you, you brought up artivism and how activism and art intersect with each other. Yeah, I can build on that. That when you told me about this idea, that's where my mind went. And I gave a little lecture on the, the, the artist and the idea of artivism for the liberation, the psychology of liberation when I taught that class last fall. And so I did some research on art, artivism. Um, I mean, it's clear that art is a really important piece of social movements. That's been clear to me for a long time, actually, since the, the CSP days when we were protesting Starbucks as with Nick, as we alluded to, we were like doing, you know, as creative signs as we could possibly did. Like we created these big drums that we, we painted. And so I think we always knew that art was really important. Um, but there's this actually this like rich vein of thinking very critically about art and activism. So this term artivism, um, I actually have a definition up here, so I'll share it. It says that, um, this is from Chela Sandoval, um, um, in the 2008 piece, Chicano, Chicana Artivism. She says, work created by individuals who see an organic relationship between art and activism. And then she goes on to say, artivism must provide access to a myriad of cultures, languages, and understanding, thus requiring the ability to negotiate multiple worldviews. Um, so I love all that. That's all so beautiful. Um, and so Zapatista as well. You know, those Zapatistas are like, we want to live in a world where multiple worlds are possible. Um, and wow, that art can do that. Yeah, I think art can shoulder that responsibility or like um, create that possibilities for multiple worldviews and, um, you know, because it, it stimulates your mind, it stimulates your body, your emotions, and allows you to imagine what is possible. So in that lecture, I go on to talk about how we can all be artists. Artists don't have to be these like elite people who have their works in the Met or something like that. Um, like art is really just a way of approaching the world you know, with a, an idea of like, oh yeah, I can create, I can put things together. And the act of creation is so central to art and central to activism and central to being human in a way. So just shifting our world, like we can all be artists and take that creative approach to the world. Um, that is going to be really important in creating another world. Um, in the material way, like actually creating a world, but also psychologically being like, Oh yeah, this, this is possible when I shift away from this, like very much like a plus B equals C way of acting in the world to like, you know, maybe I'll create a B C or like a whole different alphabet. Um, and there are no equations here, that type of thinking. So, yep. Hmm. I, gosh, as you were talking, I loved how you hit on the word create, you know, and I've never thought about this, but creativity has the word create in it. I'm sure this is not news to anyone else but me. Uh, yeah, I feel like myself as an artist, I've never really like unleashed with like where, when I create, 
uh, a drawing of some type or I guess I want to call it like classical art or like the classic forms of art where you're painting and using a pencil and line drawing and like learning about shapes and how shapes interact with other shapes and how to do horizons and all that stuff that has never spoke to me. And which is why I've never like up and through college, I never thought of myself as an artist, right? Um, maybe a musician, but I feel like those have some distinctions. And I was like, yeah, I'm just not an artist. I can't do art. I barely can write letters without um, feeling like they're so sloppy and gross. And yeah, so, but this whole time I was like, always like got this thrill from like fixing and building. And when I, you know, more and more as I went on, I like, got my hands dirty with like welding and um uh yeah i guess more with carpentry than anything else but also like fine woodworking type of stuff and i feel like that creating for me i'm like a builder at heart and that is my artistic mean and like so we go way way back and like there's this time of our lives where you and I are artists for justice do you remember this oh yeah we we were in a collective called artists for justice oh my god And of course we had two other members, Nick and Rosie and none of us. Okay. The you, me and Nick did not identify as artists, but it was like seen as like the youth program for the Boulder uh, peace and justice center. And yeah. And so I just felt like, it's like such an imposter, but it feels so funny now because now if I were to go and join that collective, I'm like, yeah, I'm an artist. Like my art form is not drawing. It's not like making beautiful stencil stencil sketches or like doing like a Banksy, you know, um, you know, doing a Banksy. <laughs> <laughs> let me just rip out this Banksy real quick. Yeah. Let me just, uh, I'm just going to, yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I just feel like it's a path. But I do know that when I am doing that creation, even if it's something as simple as like, um, I don't know, just like pounding a few nails together, I can like, it comes out in me and that, that it like unlocks a part of my brain that is oftentimes dormant. And yeah, I feel like knowing what brings that out in you is a pretty powerful thing because once, once that comes out, then you can like take the next step. And yeah, so I like this creativity and underline the word create. Yes. Yeah. Do you know those memes with like the first one is like, they're kind of psychedelic. The first one's like some statement and the guy's brain is like glowing. And then like the next one is like this more profound statement. And there's like this bigger glowing and like, like the head's exploding because it's getting more Uh and more profound. Yeah. I kind of feel like, we're on one of those right now. Like the idea of yeah. art and activism go together. First one art. Anyone can be yeah. artists, not just the elite, even bigger, you know? Um, and then, yeah. And then that's also what art does. Like it just allows us this def- different level of consciousness that is really so beautiful. I mean, it's just like, those are the best moments in life for me. Um, that when there's an act of creation, and I've never identified as an artist, but I love that, um, that moment or that, that, and especially doing it in a collective or doing it with people. And that maybe is where like the, 
like activism component comes into it. Yeah. Maybe I would like to switch for you to give us a case study of activism that you uh, had wanted to bring to the table. Yeah, I have two actually, but the first one that I wanted to draw, um, bring, bring to the table is the beehive collective and the beehive collective. We all kind of, I feel like there's very few people on this planet that haven't walked by a beehive collective poster at some point and like been drawn to it. And I feel like at some point it's been mentioned on this show, but uh, maybe here or there, but we haven't really like delved deep into the beehive collective and like what it means. And if, just to give a little clarity is like the, like where you may have seen a beehive collective poster is like this idea of when you walk by, a, they're always like black and white posters. Um, they've done about 10 and they are so intricate and there's so much going on in them. It's almost like an adult wears Waldo for anarchists. And I feel like you can, or maybe who's that guy? Richard scary. I don't know. That name came to mind, but like, I feel like it's kind of like a, I spy or like a, a hide and seek type of thing where you can like, just like dive deep into one little section of this, like, cause the posters are typically pretty massive. Like some can be like, as they're like six feet, um, six feet by three feet, but you can like, just look at one tiny little corner and try and, unlock what's happening in that little corner and i feel like the one that we know best i but maybe i'm wrong is the mesoamerica one bob i i don't know we must have had that up in a few houses that we've lived in is that true you know i'm actually not thinking of that one the, the two that come to mind are the real cost of coal coal which is one that's a, like takes place in appalachia the hmm. mountaintop destruction mining there and then the Plan Colombia one, which is like the dissecting yeah, the like CIA oil wars with Colombia in support of like narco trafficking. So I don't, I don't actually remember the the Mesoamerica one. The Mesoamerica one is the one that closes, right? So you can oh, take it, yeah, and you can close it, and it's like this utopian world, and then you open it up, and it's like a dystopia of Mesoamerica. Okay, yeah. Um, but another unique thing about Beehive Collective is they typically use like. Uh, I want to say anamorphic animals, but that it is an anamorph. Uh, whatever, mm. it's like an animal that has like human traits. Oh yeah, anthropomorphic, uh, right? Anthrop- anthropomorphic, yeah. I think an anamorph is like a TV, a Nickelodeon TV show. Yes, <laughs> it came on after Alex Mack, if I remember correctly. Yeah, nice. Yeah, before Rugrats. Um, yeah, and I feel like anyway. So you have these. Uh, anthropomorphized like dudes that are like creating all this stuff. And I, I really feel like the real beauty of the beehive collective is when you open it up and like, you actually have like a a study guide and they used to give classes. Um, They would tour around and talk about like what, what's actually happening here. What is, what is this little salamander that's yelling at the ants doing in this like section of the map? And why is he like over top of like a gleaming pool of water? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're like, that's actually Jeff Bezos and the ants are about to topple him. Yeah. (laughs) I think we all know Jeff Bezos is a a slimy little salamander. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
And that's how you get kicked off uh, Amazon podcasts. Just like that, Daddy Bezos will kick you Gone. off. <laughs> I think we've taken a few shots of Daddy Bezos before, Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I also want to mention this one film, Bob. I've been I've been meaning to tell you about it. It is so this this last year we uh, like the last week of school we did um this thing called the oscars and we watched all the animated shorts that were up for oscars this year so they're you know animated shorts are like a classic thing to do with kids because they you can pack like a punch in five minutes and then you can like dissect them for like days but we did we would watch one animated short every day and there was this one that I really wanted to show the kids. It's called Opera and it's by Eric O. And he is, uh, I think he's from South Korea, but I know that it's also, he might've made the film in the U S and it's basically like one of the posters from the beehive collective that's come to life. Mm. Um, and I really wanted to show the kids, but it, it just wasn't appropriate. There was like some weird stuff happening, but I really feel like you all need to get your hands on this movie because it will like blow your mind what happens and like how it dissects like history and capitalism in a giant pyramid. And like by the end, it just feels like, uh, it just feels like we're all so trapped. It's amazing. It's like the best thing. Um, <laughs> That's so good. It feels like we're so trapped. And man, that feels good. God damn, that Boy, feels good. Boy, does that feel good. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So I wanted to bring that up because if if you can't quite get your hands or if, if, if your creative mind doesn't quite get unlocked by the Beehive Collective, watch Opera by Erico and it will take you to the next level. Good stuff, Dave. Yeah. And I also just want to highlight, I liked your quote, where's Waldo? Uh, for adults or for anarchists, that is a good description of the Beehive Collective. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I should send a shout out to the fact that they're out of Maine. Um, I don't remember the city. It's I think it's called like Machias or, but it's like a tiny little city in like Northern Maine, like almost Nova Scotia. And it's just cool to see like, what can happen in these like small communities, how they can affect the world. Right. That's right. And how, you know, the town is like 2000 people and I don't know. It, I guess I, it just kind of brings to light that like, it doesn't matter where we are, like, especially with art, we can touch the whole world in like pretty beautiful ways. So that, that's a good point. Yeah. Like from, the, from nowheresville, you can have like this powerful thing, David versus Goliath that, the Beehive Collective will one day take down Daddy Bezos is just, just <laughs> phenomenal. Dang. Wouldn't mind watching that. <laughs> I'll, show the, I'll show the kids that one. Already, Sweet, Dave. Bob. Hit me with uh, the quick fix. All right, Bob. This one, I don't know if you got an answer to it, but I'd love to hear, hear how you do it, Bob. So the quick fix, the problem is we all spend too much time scrolling on our telephones mm. and I want a quick fix from uh, Bobby Maisler. Bobby Maisler. No, that's good. Actually, <laughs> I've been reclaiming the name Bobby. So you're, you're more than welcome to use that name with me. Good. So what, what quick fix tips do you have for the listeners on how to stop scrolling 
God, it brings up Daddy Bays once again. You know, I feel like he's he's lurking in the background here. <laughs> it's a tough one because it's like it affects so many of us, myself included. Um, I would say like the the quick fix is just like put your cell phone in a drawer and just 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 leave it, just leave it there. You know, like mm-hmm. do that, do that for an hour a day. Do that for as much time as you can. Like do that for 10 minutes. You know, just that's the quick fix. That or dropping your phone in the toilet. (laughs) Sorry, I'm too busy scrolling to listen to your answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, mayonnaise also never hurt. No, it doesn't. Yeah, that could be perfect. (laughs) I've been thinking about like turning it off, like the physical process of turning it off from like eight to eight or something like that. You know, like don't text me after nine, maybe nine, Uh, nine to seven. Yeah. Let's do nine to nine to five 30. You heard it here. Dave will not be responding to text messages from that time. Yep. Minimum. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, the the issue there fix. is then like, what if you need your phone, like the actual calling, you know, or to be called? That's how they <clears> get you, <throat> you know, Dave? Do you know if there's an app out there that allows it to just be like a landline? Could you turn it into a landline? No, that's like, a good idea. Oh, yeah. So, Bezos, if you're listening, <laughs> which we know you are. Yeah. Um, why not? Why not turn it into a landline just like so you can't get anything else? It's kind of like airplane mode. Is that what airplane mode does? Oh, yeah. Or like power save mode. Yeah. All right. Well, we got uh, what is your team called? Describes. What do you call yourselves? Oh, the show notes boys and girls yeah, the and, and gender neutral <laughs> folks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just. Also, as we all know, it's just Bob. So it's just me <laughs> and all my myself, my multiple selves. Yeah, maybe that crew. Maybe we can get our team of show notes, boys, girls, and um, trans neutral people working on it. Um, gender neutral, trans neutral. Anyway, all right, Bob. Well, thanks. Love you. And Dude, oh, uh, coordinates. I believe they are for me this week. Yeah. Yeah, let's get a, you got 10 seconds. Here we go. Our website is thrivingindystopia.com. Email Dave at DavePetrie at Gmail. IG, thriving underscore in underscore dystopia. Twitter, bmaze19. End. Not bad. 15. We'll take it. All right, Bob. See you next week. See you, Davey. See you at the sports podcast. <laughs> See you at the sports bar. <laughs> What's up, Driving Crew? Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears. They also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful. The intro song is In Heaven by Drake Stafford. Our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous Nadir Chayetch. Web design by Chris the Mixer Sawyer. And of course, visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. Our new outro song is Box Goldberg Variations, Variato 3 a 1, by Kimiko Ishizaka. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.